Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. <clears throat> oh, you sound really good today. Do I? Mm-hmm. You do anything different? Well, I I feel that you know using Marco's criteria. Mm-hmm. Today's going to be a little bit of a rough background noise day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be- because uh, you know he doesn't like background noise. Mm-mm. And uh, I've got so the the uh, the Washington Washington State College uh, the the Cougars people across the street who are rehabilitating Jamaica's house. They have a they have one of those little mini cats out there today. Oh, of course. So they're mini catting. Mm-hmm. And then it's that season in Seattle when the uh, when the sun comes out and all the airplanes go into the sky at once. Because mm. everybody here that wants to be in an airplane says, this is my moment. And Air, also, it's airplane season. It's airplane season, yeah. big time. So from a background noise standpoint, I mean, just a few moments ago, I was... I was like, how's this going to work? Because they were unloading the mini cat and some kind of like Paraguayan demonstration, jet demonstration team was flying overhead. And I was like, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> All those Paraguayans, they love the yeah, demonstrations. They really do. They love the, they want to put on a show. It's part the of their culture. Paraguay. Yeah. Well, apologies if, I don't know, I, I assume Marco listens to the show. I think, I think he did at one point, but you know, Marco, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's hard. I, I was on a show recently where one of the sides of the recording took place. Somebody was on a beach, and they were uh, able to record background ambient beach noise <laughs> and use some kind of black magic to remove that particular range from the recording. Oh, it's crazy what you can do if you try. I, right. you know, I'm. It's not. It's not go crazy here. Yeah, no, but I mean, a lot of the, a lot of my, just intrinsic background noise. That just follows me everywhere is the sound of a beach. You know, I don't know if ever, I, I don't know if I put it in these words, but I just want to say that whatever happens in the show is in the show. This is that's all right. part of the show. That's I think that's, right. I think that's why people here. I remember. In our, I feel like in our classic episode, uh, Super Cartoid, that we we talked about. You know, <laughs> there are things that we could do. There are, there are hacks that we could deploy, but we're not going to okay. do that because that's not, that's not part of the show. Hacks that's aren't the show. the show. No, the show is not about hacks. We, we could do a Life Hacks episode. You know what? We should do a show called Hacks. Hacks. Oh, wait a minute. Hmm. I bet we'd win a headphony for that. Oh, is that like an Earwolf show? Is that one of those comedy podcasts? Uh, you know what? I don't understand comedy at all. I, I don't understand comedy <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tolerate them. What is a comedy podcast? You know what I mean. Yeah, I guess so. You, you know what they did. Comedy podcasts or where you have comedy people on, and they do comedy, and yeah. then they have their friends who do comedy on, and they, they do yep. comedy together. Yeah, comedy together. Comedy together. Comedy together. Oh, comedy together. The only people together. that I think are funny are, are, are mostly people uh, who are not formally funny for a living. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed Is that, that a thing? You park on the driveway, I, you drive on the parkway? Every once in a while, <laughs> I'll meet a comedian who's actually funny, mm. a funny person. Once in a while, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but it's not the regular thing. But like, you sure. know, I got, I got friends that like work in libraries that are way funnier than most comedians. Mm-hmm. Shit, Merlin, I've got friends that clean libraries that are funnier than most comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Basura. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's you know mm-hmm. it sounds mean to say. Oh, I know everything does. Yeah, that's <clears throat> fraught, the thing about very today. Fraught. 
everything's fraught. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just you've been to comedy things. We performed. Ah. We performed at comedy things. Ah. Comedy people are not funny in person. Some yeah. of them are. I mean, you take a Jonathan Colton. Jonathan Colton's a very funny guy, but he's he's, he's not a comedy person. He's not technically a comedy person. No. Mm-mm. Nope, not a comedy person. There are a few. There are a few. Do you I think it's a busman's that, holiday? Do you think it's something where, like, no, oh, you know, no, 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 no. I no. think that they, you know, broken Joel inside. McHale. Joel McHale. <laughs> All the great funny, shows. <laughs> Joel McHale is a great guy. He seems he's like a, a nice, funny guy. Chris, Chris Hardwick. That's that's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He's a funny guy. Well, he's funny and he's nice. He's like a normal yeah. person. Oh, nice and funny. That's see, I, maybe that's it. And handsome, very handsome. He wears suits to fit. I've always admired that about him. He's small though, right? Isn't he's he? He's very small. He's he's yeah. almost pocket sized. Yeah, he doesn't seem big when you look at him on television. He's like uh, he's like one point two Dan Benjamins. One point two Dan Benjamins. Well, maybe maybe one point zero nine. Mm-hmm. One point two Dan Benjamins is a is a measurement of heat, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a kilojoule. It's called the bulk bag thermal unit. <clears throat> uh, I'm a horse today. I'm a pony. Hmm. I don't know why. <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm pretty frazzled. I gotta say, I t- I sent you a text at five yeah. o'clock in the morning last night. You did. You, I think it sounds like your sleep got disrupted. <laughs> I said, Merlin, it's five a.m. Normally, I it's one of the longest text- tweets you've ever sent me. I think. <laughs> Normally, I you know I'll send you a little text at two minutes before we're about to go on mm-hmm. and say, hey, can we push this back a little bit? And I say, you but, bet. Yeah, but I had some foresight last night and said, Merlin, it's five in the morning. I'm still not asleep. Can we push our show back a couple of hours? You're practically a project manager. And look at you. Mm-hmm. You were just like, fine. I am flexible and ready to do whatever it takes. Oh. Here we are, two hours later. So, <coughs> did you finally get to sleep around five? I did. You know, I was I was doing that thing that I do sometimes, which is I push it right to the wall mm. where I was so tired, but I just wouldn't go to sleep. It's not that I couldn't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I simply wouldn't go to sleep. And right there, 435 in the morning, I was like, you bastard. The, the light was starting to come up in the sky. The birds were tweeting. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Go to goddamn sleep. And then whatever that other thing is, I was like, no! Come <laughs> on, oh, big boy. And, yeah. And so I did whatever and something dumb. I watched, you know, Stalag 17. Hmm. <laughs> Two-hour and 15-minute movie. Uh, no, I'm not going to bed. And then finally I was just like, oh, my God, go to bed. So I did. I went to sleep at 5 and... Is it the dread of how you'll feel the next day? What what is the when you're finally able to shout down that that four year old boy voice? What it, what is the thing that finally tips the scales and you say I got to go? This is crazy. I think it is that I do have things to do in the day because in the old days when I didn't have something to do the next day, I would just I would just go and go and go. My mom would wake up because my you know my mom would wake up. This is back when we lived together. Mm-hmm. My mom would wake up about five and. I'd hear her puttering around, and I would go downstairs. Always an unpleasant surprise for her, because her 5.30 a.m. time is her time. Oh, sure. She gets a lot accomplished in the early morning. She does. But, you know, that's her time to sit and read the newspaper and have her coffee and get her thing going. And I would come bumbling down in my bathrobe like, good morning. 
And she'd be like, oh, so I would get a cup of coffee, my, you know, 5.30 a.m. coffee, and Mm -hmm. we would sit and read the newspaper together in silence, which is one of the things we used to do that that gave us both an enormous amount of pleasure. And it was just okay to be silent. We would just sit there and be quiet and read the newspaper and drink coffee. And That's that's a nice relationship to have. Yeah, she was just coming online, and I was starting to go offline. And right about the time that she would start to get chatty about the news, <laughs> says here that the port commission is going to uh, eminent domain some warehouses. <laughs> I would, I'd, you know, I'd field a couple of those with my badminton racket, <laughs> and then I would say, <laughs> "Well, I should probably be getting to sleep." Yep. And then I would, you know, toodle off, and she would start her day. So there were a few. There were, well, not a few. There were quite a few eras where, where I would, I would, I would push my sleep envelope all the way over to the other day. Oh, so, you'd uh, do like a wraparound. I'd do a wraparound. Ooh, yeah, jeez, Louise, yeah, it's really hard. It's you know the wraparound. Ah, is, I get real goofy. Yeah, it's been it's been so it's been really since our daughter was you know an infant probably, excepting the occasional like you know health thing. Um, I just don't do that anymore. I can't do that yeah. anymore. Yeah, it's tough. I don't. I don't recover. It's, it's also complicated when you live with other people because you have to find. I mean, even if you live in a in a big American place, I mean, you know, but by by international standards, our, you know, our houses are pretty huge. But even then, you have to have a lot of culture and understanding about. People's spaces. I know that this seems really obvious, but it's something I've been thinking about lately as my kid gets older. Is like having an understanding about, like, you know, what if you have to go to the bathroom and someone is in there? Like, what if somebody is doing a thing over here? Like, should you just kind of leave them alone? If your wife says she's just going to rest her eyes and you say, why don't you just call it a nap? She says, I'm just going to rest my eyes. You know, that kind of means, you know, don't be in the room. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I feel like the, some of those things we talk about, some of the things we don't talk about, but like it's the ways that you give each other space in a house can be very complicated. Yeah, and super important. My goodness. I, see, I, like I say, I know it seems obvious, but like in practice and, and in evolution, you know, you think about things like, not to go on, but things like, okay, like you change like you know, where the TV is or you change, like, you know, move stuff around in the dining room and like somebody's space gets disrupted. And if you don't honor that, that was somebody's space without acknowledging it, you know, it gets complicated. Uh, this is starting to sound like a George Carlin routine. (laughs) You got your stuff. (laughs) Uh, so we're talking about evolution is what you're saying. Yeah. I think that we, as John, John, uh, John Syracuse says, you know, it's uh, evolutionary biology. There's no seer, no seer, no Z. I, um, you know, for years and years, of course, I've been, I've been saying sort of out loud as an explanatory, uh, you know, caveat about myself that I'm an that I'm an introvert. Yes. I just I've been saying that for a long time. I'm still I'm still and, chewing on that, and I, yeah. I, it's a very interesting thought technology. I've been saying it I've been saying it forever because it it does accurately reflect you know the the sort of classic description of an introvert as they as they are trying to interact with the rest of the world. Like nine out of ten of those line up exactly with how I feel. So it felt very much like, you know, if, if, if you answered yes to more than four of these 15 questions, then maybe you have 
a problem with uh, <laughs> with with the diuretics mm, or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was like, I just answered 15 out of 15 here. So it it's very explanatory. But what I've realized is that it is not it is not completely explanatory, obviously, but also sharing space with other people where you want them there is is like so complex i think for everybody and and like i don't mind people being around me it turns out i don't mind people in my house and in my space but i but the, it but there needs to be a very nice dance there's a very nice dance that happens mhm and the other people have to also be really in the dance. And it turns out, you know, one of the problems with me, one of the reasons that I've never been married is that I don't like people touching my feet in the night. Mm-hmm. Don't touch my feet in You've the night. You've been really clear about that, though, haven't you? Yeah, it's really hard. It's hard, though. People like to touch feet. And the thing is, I love if you touch my feet in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm sitting on the couch and I'm reading a novel and you come sit at the other end of the couch and and touch my feet. Mm-hmm. You can even grab and hold my feet. Mm-hmm. You put put my feet right in your lap. This is in the afternoon, though. In the afternoon, mm-hmm. in the early evening. If you want to, okay. if you want to sit and pet my feet, I will just purr. I'll purr like a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your little paws. Just. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say, don't touch my feet in the morning. And in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. when I am sleeping, don't get around there and mess with them. Save it for the afternoon. Afternoon and evening. That's mm-hmm. a t- that is a great time if you're feeling feety to come, you know, like have some feet time. Yeah. In the middle of the night, keep your feet over there and I'll mm-hmm. keep my feet over here. Seems, it's, it's very clear. It seems very clear. Yeah, but it also just seems so normal to me. Like what I'm sure there are people. In fact, I knew a girl. That if you touched her feet, she would scream. Not not in a good way. Not in a good way. There was she had some thing, and I could never exactly figure out what she was talking about. But she had a thing. Don't touch my feet thing. And the first time I touched her feet, it was in public. It was in a, a room full of friends, and I and the other people had known her for a lot longer than I had. Oh boy. And I touched her feet, put a hand on her feet, and the room went gasp. Oh, no. You're the only one that didn't know. I was the only one that didn't know. And I looked around. I was like, what? And a good friend of mine, and actually, Merlin, he's a friend of ours, Hmm. as we say. He's not just a friend of mine. He's a friend of ours. He said to her, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. And she said through, you know, like, you know, short breaths, she said, it's okay. He doesn't know. And I was like, what is going on? And our friend, yours and mine said, I've never seen anyone touch her feet where she didn't scream like bloody murder scream. And I took my hand off her foot and I was like, I'm, I'm oh, I, what's, why is it, are you injured? And it was, then I had this whole conversation about like, no, that's her thing. Don't touch her feet. Mm-hmm. And it was like, 
I was affectionate gesture. She and I were having an uh, affectionate times, and it had just I had not gotten the bulletin. And from that point on, of course, then you're like, oh, oh, geez, you know, now I do know. I've never actually, I never actually experienced in her case a, a foot, a touched foot producing a scream because I then stayed away. I did sure. Not, you learned your lesson. I didn't put hand on foot, but it was the, it was not her reaction. It was the, it was the crowd's reaction when I touched her foot because apparently they had all been completely traumatized in the past by like even accidentally touching her foot and just like. <laughs> and as, as this is, you know, this is there's a community of foot touching uh, going on here that's that's a little bit outside my range well, of information. The, how, 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 all these people, what is it about her feet that makes people want to touch them? You know, I think maybe it was just uh, that they were all in college together, and oh, you know sure. how you are in that's college. A, that's a foot up, touching time. Yeah. Sure, you end up in a closet with each other at some point or another, and and you're like. You know, trying to <laughs> trying to get comfortable, making making shoes into pillows, trying to just never let the moment stop. Yes, and um, and I think that they'd all just had you know, or or they'd been in the room when someone else touched her feet and and never you know never wanted to revisit the moment. And I was you know I was coming along a little bit later. Like this was these post college times. I was the new I was the new guy. Yeah. Uh, boy, oh boy, but. But I also felt a little bit special, like I'm the one person that yeah, any of them she didn't freak ever out. Seen. Yeah, but, you know, maybe it's just that You're the one. she she found the one that could touch her feet. Mm. Uh, I have I I just don't I've found I've found the one over and over, and none of them could touch my feet in the night. Mm. And I think I don't know why. I mean, I don't want blankets on my feet at night. I'll have four. I'll blankets have blankets on. on my feet for different. I'll have my feet out or in, depending on different positions that I'm in. It's oh. not anything I formally, you know, like worked out in my mind, but like, yeah, yeah, like in this position, I want my left foot to be out of the covers. I do, I do that quite a bit. Left, left foot out. Sometimes left my daughter comes right in when feet. I'm sleeping and like pokes me with a pencil in the foot, and that really bugs me. That's, a, fi- that's a firing offense. See, that's, yeah. you should you should make that your thing. Mm. Well, Touch you know, you got to be picky pencil. about how much you make your thing. That's the other part of being in a house with people is that, you know, you have to be circumspect about. Well, I mean, easy way to put it is you have to pick your fights. Right. You, you can't be a pill about everything. Like, you know, I've said before, I have certain lines in the sand. Like, never move my keys. Oh. Like, ideally, never move my wallet. But, like, that stuff stays here, and that's how I keep from going crazy. Keys and wallet go in the keys and wallet place. Yeah, and I only got two keys, but still I get real panicky if I, if I can't find them, you know, because yeah. then you can't open doors and stuff. Sure, But sure. You, I think you've got to be... Everybody's got their hang-ups, and their hang-ups is too strong a way to put it. But everybody's got a certain way that they are, and I, yeah. I think it's I think it's nice to be sensitive to that fact and to not make people feel weird or shameful about like wanting things a certain way, unless it really really butts up in a you know um, irreconcilable way with how you like to do things. I, you know. Well, this is the thing about the touching of the feet, right? It's not a thing that comes up very often. Yeah. And if you want that to be your thing, by all means, I'm not gonna. I, I I'm not gonna, and no one should, right? Get try and get up inside your command post and say, mm-hmm. "What's going on yep, here?" Exactly. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's just that that's it's their not thing. your job now, to reprogram people. People right, are not if projects. They, if they've got forty things like that, mm-hmm. though, it starts to become difficult to. 
accommodate that. That's like an old person's medicine. Or like it's it's complicated when you got a heart problem because you got to take medicine. But then let's say you get like thin blood and you got to take a blood thinner with that. Like there's all kinds of weird pharmaceutical synergies and things you want to avoid. Yeah. You know, and that can be a real juggling act. Now, if you're a person with like what do you say 40, 60, you got dozens of these kinds of things, then your life becomes complicated. Too that's, a, that's a word that's a word that I keep using, but it's a yeah. good word. You know, you know what uh, one of my things is? I'm sitting here trying to think of my things. Yeah. Lock the bolt, but don't lock the doorknob. Okay. Because there that way people, that way they know the bolt is thrown. The the people there are people if they that if they lock, try if they try the, 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 the typical door checking pseudo robber is gonna jiggle the the door handle. And if the they are gonna assume if the door handle is locked that the bolt is probably not. I have not even thought about it that far. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. It's uh, there's no there's no scheme to it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I hate when people lock the little the little flipper on mm-hmm. the doorknob. Yeah. It just feels it's just an insult to me. Mm-hmm. I lock it's like the it's bolt. like it's like just closing the door and putting scotch tape on the scene. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. But there are people that do it reflexively. Because they're used to, as they leave, they're a doorknob locker, so they lock the doorknob and then do the bolt. Mm-hmm. But when I come to my own home and there's been somebody visiting, let's say, somebody stopping by, somebody that has a key to my place, and I put a hand on my doorknob and my doorknob is locked. Oh, boy. Oh, man. No, You're that, doesn't get that a... seem like an abundance of caution, probably? They want to make sure all the locks are locked. It's just a reflex. It's the same thing with the toilet seats. People, you know, reflexively do do things, right? That's mm-hmm. they they just have a thing that they just uh, that's how they are comfortable and they like I I don't believe anybody ever walks out of the house and locks a doorknob uh, um thinking about it very much, you know? Like I see. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just if you're a doorknob locker and there I'm sure there I'm sure the majority of people are. But uh but I'm not, and the reason is, if you're a doorknob locker and the door swings shut, then you're locked out of the house. Mm-hmm. That's a really, that's a very good point. It's like a hotel room. Yeah, right. It's it, so. Did you have your keys on you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just going out in the garden to water the peonies, mm-hmm. and now I'm locked out of the house because somebody came along and is a doorknob locker, and that's not how we do here. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll, you know, that's like here to pull up a chair. I'm going to explain this a couple of times so that you don't do it. You don't not believe the, the systems I put in place to avoid things like this. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I frequently, I, I've said this here before, I've said this in many other places, that I have certain things in life that are a bulwark against madness. That there are certain kinds of things that, when they happen, are so stupid and avoidable that I'm extra, double, triple careful to keep those kinds of things from happening. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, in this case, like, you know, we've got a, okay, we've got a clock radio that I like fine. I never use the alarm on the clock radio. I look at the clock and I listen to KQED. That's all I do. Uh-huh. Now, I'll tell you one thing about a little side note, quick side note. Whenever I turn on a radio, I turn on, I hit the snooze button. So it'll turn off automatically in 90 minutes. Uh, the radio um, doesn't stay nice. on. Always act like you're not going to be around. Never nice. set anything down in a bathroom that you wouldn't want to be there overnight. Right? This is the thing. When you go to a public restroom, you see what I'm saying? It's all it's all logic, real analytical. So so well, I like my dream machine. I like it fine. Never use yeah. it for an alarm, but it has these little flimsy dials on top because it's got two different alarms with two different options. Sure, it's a and, dream machine. And it's a dream it's a, literally a dream machine. And so I'm I'm always I'm always batting at it 
So either hit the snooze to turn it on, hit the off to turn it off, and I'll accidentally hit a knob. You see where I'm going with this? Oh, you hit a knob. Gaffer's tape. I gaffer's taped the dials down so that they it's, cannot move. There you go. There now, you go. It's just like your distortion that. box. You don't have to... Your, your yeah. tone's not swinging around. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You got you to put systems in place. Yeah. And, but, you know, this leads to this whole... This is a minefield. It's a minefield of rat holes. But, like, you know, it's it gets into stuff I've talked about a lot on other shows. But, like, the whole thing with kids and, like, I just... I know... Like, when you take your shoes off, keep them together. Keep the shoes together. Don't take Curious. off a shoe, walk for a while, and then take it off on another floor of the house. <laughs> now you, you're never going to, you're always going to be one shoe behind for the rest of your life. One shoe behind. One, that, that is no way to live. Shoes never leave be a pairs. shoe behind. That's a, that's a Marine Corps thing. Semper Fi. You, yeah. you, want, you want them, to, they want to be together. You want them to be together. You're going to be so much happier, healthier, and well shodden. Mm. Schadenfreuden. happen. I realize that I... See in the system. Systems, systems yeah, and that could be systems where you're just talking and say, don't touch John's feet unless it's the oh, afternoon right. or early evening. It's a very That's simple right. bit of logic to, to insert. When you come, here's, here's, here's what it is. When you come home from work, you can immediately start touching my feet all the way until we go to bed. Okay. Let's just call it that. That's a third of the day. That's 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 plenty of opportunity. If a foot touching event is going to make your day, Hakuna Matata, do it. John will welcome it. But when I John's not sleeping, have that many things. You don't think so? I, I think, think you I, haven't lived with enough people to realize how many you have. Probably it may be true. It may be true. I like the dishwasher loaded a certain way. Yes. When, how about uh, the trash? Taking out the trash. No, taking out the trash. I'm very. You don't you mind know, if I'm, somebody doesn't break down boxes. I'm system agnostic there. If, right. if you want to throw a bunch of boxes in the recycling, that somebody down the chain is oh, going to be mad about that, boy, but it's not my responsibility. You're going to get a note from me. <laughs> Somebody's going to leave a note. You understand, but, there's many cubic inches of empty space oh, 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 being boy, taken up now in our limited amount. You know what? Don't put styrofoam. Don't put styrofoam in there. It says right on the see the lid. It says right there. Don't put styrofoam in there because you know Mm -hmm. what happens? They come there five a.m. Bang, bang, bang. They come to show up. You know what they do? They don't pick it up and they leave you a note and they say, you know what? Like it says in the lid, don't put styrofoam in here. Guess what? We got a week now. Mm. Starting okay, starting Mm -hmm. with a full recycling container. It's just Uh so simple. It's so simple. Uh Don't put things in the recycling that are not recycling. Well, see, I don't share a recycling container with anybody, so everything that goes in there is from my own house. Okay, and um, I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, like the whole garbage system. I, it, it just happens as it happens, right? Let's just mm-hmm. let it ride, let it ride. I mean, you know, obviously there are some things like don't, op- don't leave an open jar of jam on the counter because you're going to attract ants. That's mm-hmm. like a, that's that's that, how you get that's ants. Not, is that that's what you want? You want thing. ants? That's how you get that's ants. Just, that's just an everybody <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> Um, because that is how you get ants. <laughs> you know, don't come around and start adjusting how dark my toaster makes your toast. Oh, without sure. Adjusting it back when you're done. Right? Like, I don't want to come in in the morning and throw some toast in there and, like, you're Bernie toast person. Yeah, Bernie bro. But uh, th- those don't exist. Don't exist. But, I was just reading but, about that uh, today. You know, put it in the middle. Put it like leave the toaster brownness in the middle, unless you have make, your make own toaster. Make a middle toaster. note and switch it back. You know, switch it back. That's right. I do want if you if you wash if you do a load of wash and I, and it has dress shirts in it or mm-hmm. collared shirts, let's call them. Mm-hmm. I don't put those in the dryer. I hang them up. Okay, that's I smart. Hang, drip dry. You're a big guy. You got long arms. You don't want those shrinking up on you. Don't want shrinky arms. How about uh, 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 how, somebody somebody unloads the dishwasher, puts away the glasses and mugs, bottoms up or bottoms down? You got a thought? I got bottoms up. Uh, I do always. Really? Yeah, bottoms up. Now, what about uh, what about the gander? Down. 
Okay. Wait a minute. I, I do open part at the top, bottom yeah. down. No, I do uh, open part at the bottom. Like a oh, bar. Oh, like like oh. they're dripping dry on a bar. That's right. So do you worry because about I, dander? Do you worry about dander on the contact paper? No, no. I mean, do you worry about silverfish getting in and making a nest inside your coffee cup? Have we talked about this? No. Did a silverfish get in your coffee cup? No, it feels familiar. Getting deja vu. The, it, plus, you got spiders, right? You, for you, this makes a lot more sense. Well, but in the Northwest, we don't have cup spiders. Um, oh, you don't have cups. No, that's from that's a different part of the country. No, <laughs> I just one of those, feel like those British indie pop bands from the mid two thousands. Cup spiders, cup, cup spiders. You know what I think it is? <laughs> I learned primarily when I was growing up at home. My mom had so many systems. Mm-hmm. Everything had a fucking. System. She likes and things it, a certain way. Oh my god! And if you did things, if you did put the dishes away, she would come and and redo it. And so I kind of I, I, I kind of get that. Well, sure, but I learned at a young age don't bother doing anything. And that was not the message she was trying to send. Oh, I see. She was trying to teach me like how to do things her way Properly, or how to do her things her way. way. Yeah. Right. But what it meant was if I did if I put something and the thing is I had what what she got for me when I was a kid was little bins, little um what would have been little plastic buckets that you would wash dishes in or something. You remember those little like you sort put in of, the sink? Yeah, like a like sink a square bucket. six inch, eight inch deep pan that you fill with water. Right. Yeah. She got me let's say eight of those, all in orange rubberized plastic. Mm-hmm. Orange was my favorite color. And they fit on bookshelves in my room. I see where this is going. And she was like, here's how you organize your toys. And she put all the Legos in one. She put all the Hot Wheels in one. She put all the G.I. Joes in one. She put all the Tinker Toys in one. You know, like this. And so I would start playing. And I was uh, I was a mix and, I was a mixed toys kid. You know, I would build a, a Lego fort. And then I would the, the Hot Wheel cars would be interacting with it. The Hot that, that's, cars, a, that's a terrific style of play. You know, they'd drive up to the Lego fort, and then there would be some. There would be a Tinker Toy bridge over to a GI Joe. You know, this is that, this this this, and so forth. And so she would come in and say, "Clean up your room," and I would put these toys together into a bin because they were related. At this point, I was in the midst of a story, and they were all going in the bin because these. Legos and these G.I. Joes right now were related to one another. And she would come in and it would drive her bananas because this bin is leg- labeled Legos. Oh, sure. I Why get are it. G.I. Joes in it? Mm-hmm. And so she would she would split it all up. She would redo it. She would break everything back down to first principles. And I was like, but I was in the middle of an unfinished story. That I was going to come back to, and maybe for two months the G.I. Joes would be in the Lego bin, but it's, you know, like, I do have a system. But it, and so eventually I was just like, you know what, uh, putting them away is the same as just leaving them out for you to put away, because it's not, like, it's double work. Hmm. Like, I do the work and then you redo it, so why not, why don't I just pretend that uh, that I didn't hear you? And I and that really set me in life. That was set me on a course for the rest of my life, right? Yeah. Why don't I just pretend that I didn't hear you, and then you can do it however you want? Yeah. 
I mean, that, that probably kind of works, you know? But but so I didn't really ever put away dishes at home. It wasn't my, my job was to mow the lawn and to vacuum the house. Um, but like dishwasher stuff, it was just like, forget it, right? There were so many systems around the dishwasher that I just never even looked at it. So I learned to put away dishes when I started working in bars. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what had happened. I, the, the first time I really was like the dishwasher, which is how I started at every bar job I ever had, like, you're hired. Mm-hmm. Here's your apron. There's the dishwasher. Figure out how it works. It's a, called a Santa core or whatever the what a santa chlor oh yeah like, yeah big thing where it was like a little house for your dishes yeah you put the dishes in you shut the metal door and this is, this is but, terrific but you have to load up the rack and mm-hmm. then you have to go put the dishes away so that's where i really learned to put and i still i put dishes away like i'm working in a bar that, that makes sense that, i never would have thought what of that. about storing socks you've, okay you've just done a load you've done you've done a load of laundry You've got mm-hmm. a bunch of socks. I'm not even going to tell you what I think the options are. I bet I, I could think of at least three options. You tell me when you're putting your socks away after they have been laundered. Do you put them away a certain way, and is it important that they be that way? Well, yes. Socks are. I mean, the way you do it is you take, you find the matching pair, you mm-hmm. line them up, heels together. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Like mm-hmm. side to side, you're not just throwing two socks at each other. It's mm-hmm. not. But I'm not somebody that walks around with a, with a pocket full of bills or a wallet full of bills where they're not faced. You got to face your fucking bills. Oh my goodness! I when I see people that don't do that, I have a two compartment. As you know, I have a taxi driver yep. wallet with two compartments. I keep twenties yep. in one, and everything of smaller denomination in the other. They are yep. in order by denomination, and yep. they're all faced and they're going they're going the same direction uh, yes. on every axis. Anything less than that is to live a life of total chaos. I mean, like, you know what? For, for for two hours in Vegas, that's okay. If you're at a theme park, mm-hmm. you can live with it. Maybe you're gonna no, get. No. Well, I'm just if saying you, you get it, you get it. But like, it's not unusual if you're doing some shopping. You're going somewhere. You get a pocket full of receipts. You get a pocket full of ones and fives. Usually, you may not no. may not. In the, you say always stop what you're doing. Get it right the first time. Yes, if some if I'm in if I am part of a heist and someone hands me an, an armful of bills, like a bushel of them, mm-hmm. at the very first moment I will stop and face them. If you and, found a gym bag in a tree, you take it down. Number one, get him in order. Well, I'd get I'd get out of there. I'd so get you'd out. Beat of there a hasty first. retreat. Mm-hmm. Beat a hasty retreat, and then when I could look around and there was and I was safe when I was when I had found a dark alley and was safe, I thought. From uh, you know, I'm not never safe from the Batman, but safe. I would sit and start facing those bills, and you know, if I have hundreds and fifties, those go on the twenty side. And the tens, fives, and ones are. <laughs> When's the last time you had a fifty? I carry fifties. <laughs> Do they still have those? Yeah, sure. You get fifties in huh. my line of work. You deal with a lot of cash. <laughs> Uh, but so yes, I mean right. Your wallet has got you got to be really on top of your wallet, or your life will go off the off the rails. And mm-hmm. I see people all the time that are just like, "Uh, how much is it?" And they're just, it's just like a a wad of cash, but not a wad like like a like a money clip. Wad. And just in passing, this is another bulwark against madness. This yeah. to me would be like keeping salad forks in the garage and dinner forks in the attic, except for when you just felt like putting it somewhere else. No way to live. I walked into an um, uh, an argument in the marriage of Jonathan Colton and his wife Christine Connor one time, 
and, and this happens sometimes when you're close friends with people. You 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 step into a to a marriage argument, an ongoing situation, an ongoing situation, yeah. and it was the question. I think a lot of married couples deal with this. Do you put the silverware in? Do you put the forks in the dishwasher tines up or tines down? Mm-hmm. And there were two very strong feelings about it. And I think also it was tines up or tines down. And do you organize the silverware by type in the dishwasher buckets or do they just all go in? Ugh. And there was definitely strong feelings about all the forks should go together in one thing. That way, when it's time to unload the dishwasher, you just grab them all and they're together. Can I guess which is which? Well, I, I, you know what? I don't want to get any more in their marriage than I already am. Yeah, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing situation. But there was a lot. You know, I had to come back when I the first time I looked at my own dishwasher after that, I stood and stared. I was like, what? Are, what? Are, you know, these are things I've never had because I'm not married. I've never had to argue. Well, about as I say this. on the internet, you can't unsee it. Like once yep. you're aware of that of that special wisdom, you feel somewhat you know lacking. You know, like now for me, a lot of this. Now, here's another one. It's like we've got one of those. Uh, our our cutlery holder in the drawer has four uh, receptacles for yep. the, your classic hand utensils, knives, forks, spoons, and other. Exactly. So I struggle with that because sometimes I think the teaspoons should be separate. Teaspoons should be separate. Bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> it means different things. That that mm-hmm. sh- I, I sometimes think about splitting up spoons. I sometimes think about splitting up forks. You're talking about sp- uh, teaspoons or tablespoons? Yeah, but then also I sometimes think about breaking up the knives. Like you get a steak knife over here, but I've still that one I do not have a strong opinion on. My main thing is usability. Like I think, I think now if you ask somebody else in my house, they'd have a, a million ways that I'm really screwy. But one of mine is I always want the colander to be right here. I always want the the two cup measuring cup to be there. These are things that I use almost every day, because you know with, with a kid you do a lot of colander work, as you probably know. Yes, of colander course. colander work is one of the most important facets of having a single digit uh, child. Uh, so, the colander, yeah. You I know mean, what? Don't don't kidding. don't put it in nesting matryoshka bowls. Like, don't do that. Don't put it, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there, there are people who think that storing things should be always like a nested situation where all these are bowls of concentric sizes. Let's stack them inside of each other. Well, what if I want to get the bowl that's sucking from the bottom? Sucking like, what if that's bowl. one of my top tier, uh, you know, maintenance players? Yeah, I get you. I get don't you. Don't put the colander in there. I need the colander. I do a lot of colander work, especially in the afternoons when you're getting your feet touched. Are you, um, <clears throat> have you considered getting a, a colander just for the child? A bespoke daughter colander. A daughter colander for her colander needs. Oh. Well, it isn't the kitchen colander. It's the daughter colander. We have a little screeny one that we use for Orzo because the yeah. uh, Orzo would slip through the regular colander. Right. I had not thought about this. We need to really pare down. There's a lot of stacking going on right now. Mm-hmm. and there's a lot You of, don't need more colanders is what you're saying. You know, I just got a new pan that I really like. Um but uh, listen to the pan. Touch the pan. <laughs> 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 Only English people can fly. <laughs> it comes up so much. I love the show so much. Don't eat socks. So you've <clears throat> taken your socks out of the dryer. You you find the here. The one thing I want to mention, just a point of information for our listeners. It's my belief. It's my belief on information that you 
are a sock man. You have many kinds of socks. You have. You, you, I'm a gold toe man. All, all I got is white gold toe socks. And when the ones, when some of them get grody, I throw those out, and they're all mixed up. I won't say anything yep. more about myself, but I think uh, for our, our listeners' purposes, they should know. And you tell me, you got a lot of socks. You and I talked about gold toes many years ago when we first met. Fifteen years ago, we were talking about gold toes because I was wearing at the time. Some navy blue gold toes. I think I gifted you with gold toes at one point. You did. You yeah. did, in fact. Uh, my mom is also kind of like you, one of these sock utilitarians, trying to solve the problem of socks by getting a kind of sock. Yes. And she's done that to me several times over the course of the years. Like, here are the socks. They're the only socks we'll ever need again. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that, Mom. I, 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 I did not experience – because the thing is, if a sock goes missing, yeah. I don't experience that as a major – that doesn't befuddle me. Sock went missing. It'll turn up is what I say. I actually have a it's little – It's like error. losing Tupperware. It's kind of – you don't want to do it, but it's not the end of your week. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you can always get more. That's right. You can always get more. You can always get more socks. But for me, socks are ah, they're fun. I like socks. Mm-hmm. I like different. You know, when and the, and the socks are an easy thing to buy as a uh, as a memento. Huh. Here I am in London today. I don't want to get a little double-decker bus set of salt shakers. I don't <laughs> want to get a thing that says I was in London today. But look at that, a little pair of socks. I'll buy some socks. And then from then on, you think, oh, those are the socks that I bought that day in London. You're, you're creating memories. Just little things like that. Like, I got you, I got you some socks. Mm-hmm. I, everybody always wants socks. And, I, um, and, and, and every, every pair of socks that I pull out of the, of the sock drawer, I can remember where they came from. <laughs> Of course you can. Right? Oh, Mine these are the all socks. came from Amazon. <laughs> these are the socks from uh, that time I went to the Natural History Museum, and I decided that what I needed was socks. Oh. You know, and they're cheap, and it's just a little thing. And then you can, then uh, every day you walk around, and it's like, oh, these socks have owls on them. I got them at the at the place. I have to get them at the Owl Natural History Museum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But socks have to be paired, and then the tops folded down. So that they are held together. You make, so little, just to be clear, though, you're not making a ball. You're making nope. a small but sturdy cuff. A cuff. That's right. Now, how, people how, that, how many, how many, just you take an average size sock, like a men's dress sock. How long is your cuff? Oh, I would say never more than a third of the sock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between a quarter and a third of the length of the sock. See, because I come from ballers. Well, and I know, and balls are a great idea, and I've stretchy seen, I've, stretches I've them out. Seen it work, but it does feel stretchy, and it feels like then it's a puzzle you have to unwrap every time. You, we you get rolled, the sock. We always, out, my like, family always rolled and balled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. We are, are. You know, I think I got it from. I obviously it's a family thing. Yep. But I got mine at like make a cuff, fold them over, hmm. and then you look in the. You look in, and the thing about them when they're when they're cuffed is that you can see if you can pull a pair out and see if there's any toe or heel wear mm-hmm. without having to make a decision right then whether or not you're going to throw them away. It's like having a glass lid on your pot. You right. Just look right in. You look right in. You don't need to lift anything. Yeah, you look right see, in. See, this is it. Bulwarks. Bulwarks against madness. I, I approve this. And then when you put them in, are they haphazard? Are they are they stacked neatly? Are you are mm-hmm. you canoling? What do you, when you mm-hmm. put them in there? Do you canole? Mm-hmm. 
That's a very good question. There are so many different ways that I could organize my socks. I could organize them by color. I could organize them by size. This is why you need a grant. Wouldn't that be nice? I So I do not approve of ankle socks. Yeah. I just don't. I don't. I don't know why I have such a strong feeling about ankle socks, but I just don't approve of them. I don't want them in my house. I don't want them in my garden. If you're wearing short pants and Stan Smith's, what kind of sock are you going to deploy? No sock. No sock? You don't even do like a little grabby inside the shoe sock? I don't want those. I, you're think I don't approve of them. Don't approve of them. <sighs> if you're wearing a, if you want the no sock look, wear no socks. Okay, and you also, but you also probably rotate your shoes often enough that that doesn't become a problem. Right. <clears throat> I don't you're wear not the same shoes them. Okay. No, no, you wear them one time and then you switch them out. So, like in the summer, for instance, I have summer shoes, like we all do, but I have enough of a a selection of summer shoes that, you know, if one of them goes in the lake, they can sit on the porch mm-hmm. and they're not gonna, you know, my my progress isn't gonna be impeded. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, like no socks was a thing that I that I did as a kid, and I did it into adulthood, and I still do it. And ankle socks just seem like a like a cheat, like an unfair. It's unfair. Yeah. It's like a diaper. It's like a foot diaper. Get oh, it out of like there. a finger cot for your foot. Yeah, <clears throat> don't wear colored socks with short pants. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a thing. But mm. I will wear a white athletic sock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I was wearing a white athletic sock one time at the Chateau Marmont when Jesse Thorne crashed our party, and he gave me some hell about it. Mm. But I was wearing a white sock because I was wearing a suit. And I said, yeah. I said, show me your socks, fancy guy. And he lifted up his pants, and there were all kinds of a bunch of hose in there or something. You know, like it was just suit, suit uh, stockings. And I said, Jesse, and I, this was this was the beginning of this whole like, can you climb a fence in that outfit? Yeah, right. Because I I climb a fence in this outfit. Mm-hmm. So you just mind your mind your own beeswax mind your over and there, cues, Jesse Thorne. That's right. Give hell about clothes. Shoes. Yeah. Um, the, I th- the Rottweilers I, are going to tear you tear you apart, my friend. You strike me as somebody who has a large, uh, well, large. It's reasonably sized, but you have a big wardrobe. I don't think of you as much of a graphic tee t-shirt wearer let me ask you this just in general answer however you want how many t-shirts of whatever variety do you have in regular rotation oh dear do you are you do you wear first of all let's get to the obvious do you wear a white do you wear a t-shirt underneath what what you call a long sleeve shirt or dress shirt only when i anticipate the prospect of perspiration being an issue in whether or not I look gross or not. Okay, so you don't... I, I wear a t-shirt under almost everything. It might be a band shirt, it might be a podcast shirt, it might be a Mack Weldon fancy white shirt, but I, I always deploy a t-shirt as my bottom layer, always. And then I uh, usually... That is not the case for me. Okay. I All will right. just put a button-down shirt on right over my natural self. Not even but wearing... If I'm... No, no socks, no undershirt. No socks, no undershirt. Mm. But if I'm going... You know, if I'm wearing a tie, I'm going to be wearing a jacket... And I have a shirt on, and it's going to be a situation where I might, uh, like, the, my lower back might get damp. Or, so, you know, mm. if I take the jacket off, you'll be able to see that I am that I have perspired. I will wear a T-shirt as a as a bulwark, as you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so... I have a lot of so the, the the reason I started buying socks 
as souvenirs is that I went through, as we all do in rock and roll, many, many years of T-shirts as souvenirs. Mm-hmm. And a thousand T-shirts from the band Fiverr and uh, Creeper Lagoon and, you know, the Tennessee Valley Authority or whatever. You know, just T-shirts everywhere that are very sentimental over time because it's like we did a tour with Fiverr in 2001 and I'm never going to throw that T-shirt away. Yeah, uh, I still wear the Fiverr T-shirt all the time. Mm. That was of Props. all the purges of all the purges that we have done done, the one that was easily the most difficult was getting rid of the t shirts because I've got t shirts from the mid eighties. Yeah. I mean, like but like my my favorite was this uh dump truck concert t shirt from like maybe nineteen eighty nine. And it was so disgusting. Just even knowing that it was in the closet upset my wife. We're talking pit stains, buddy. I can put a pit stain on something. I think I'm very mm-hmm. accurate. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I seem probably very base. But but I do, I, do, I, do, I do something where it gets orange and hard, and a little and a little permanently moist, like a oh wax dear. buildup. Oh boy! And so and it had holes in it, but it was a dump truck shirt. It was from the, yeah. it was a big time bad time tour. Remember big time records? Remember them? Woo-hoo. Sure. Woo! They were they were hard on some artists. Big but time yeah. bad time. Big time bad time tour. Yeah, uh, that that was hard. Replacement shirts, three replacement shirts. Like there's just all these things. But I was like, you know what? This of all the purge that I do, this is the most significant because yeah. this is this is where I moved up past the point of pain. Like I'm really genuinely going to miss my Archers of Love shirt, and I do. I, I still do. I feel you. It's been ten years, probably. I mean, we did the, this one big purge a couple years before our daughter was born. Huge purge. And the, the the two difficult things were getting rid of the t-shirts, and then, I think I told you this one, this breaks my heart still, uh, we had idiotically put a bunch of our bags to store into a contractor bag, and we accidentally threw it away. So, like, oh. oh, yeah, no, we're talking, like, vintage Timbuktu bags from the oh. 90s, like, Shimpy. probably 15 Timbuktu bags, You know, and you know me and bags, right? Yep, you love bags. We realized that, we scurried a little bit to look around, I was like, no, 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 it's gone, let it go, leave it. Leave it. Leave it. But let's, the shirts, go, I missed the talk. shirts. Now, are, well, now you, know, you know what Ben Gibbard did? No. He, he solved this problem. He took all of his old band t-shirts from a thousand bands, and he gave them all to his mom. <gasps> did she make a quilt? She made a quilt. I thought I should have done that. I should have done it. She made a rock band quilt, and <sighs> she made a, because she, she, she takes the logo out of the t-shirt, she backs it with some other fabric so, it, so it's, you know, stable and <sighs> thick. God. And then she made like a a piano cover, you know, like not just quilts, but like things that you, you know, like covers for things. Wow. Like, you know, amp cover or whatever made out of old. Oh, that's, I get it. I see what you're saying. You like a slip I mean? case like, for your amp like or something. a slip case, right. <gasps> that is out so sexy. Old band t-shirts. It's great. It's wonderful. Um <sighs> It's like, what can you say about it? It's it's very crafty. Yeah. Okay. But, maybe we should get out. Maybe we should get out of the closet. Mm, we could go. Right. We could go to the bathroom. We could go to the garage. Mm-hmm. I wish I. My bathroom and my garage are are both windows on my soul, and Pro- I don't. Problematic. I don't want people looking in there. I know. I know. I know. I feel the same way. I can't even have anyone over. Hmm. Um. I think these I have things a T-shirt are that I that I got in the mid eighties. Uh, late 80s, mid to late 80s, a girl gave me a t-shirt that had a cup of coffee on the front. Mm. And the coffee, it was like a woodcut. It was just a white t-shirt. Then there was just a cup of coffee. And 
there were three steam lines coming off the top of the coffee and then above it written in a kind of stylized font that maybe ended up being the font that they used on the TV show Friends. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like a hand-drawn font. Mm -hmm. It said, regular. See, I was hoping it was going to say coffee, but I, I like regular even better. Regular. Regular. Oh, that's and, good. That is, that is, uh, that's pregnant. Prognots, as the Germans say. Pregnant with meaning. Prognots. Prognots. And prognots. so, at the time, a lot of our listeners are not going to be able to fathom this, but at the time in 1988, to wear a t-shirt that had a cup of coffee on it and it said regular mm-hmm. was pretty fucking out there. That's pretty out there. That was really, really alternative. And I was pretty proud of how alternative it was because it communicated to people that I was nobody's, you know, that I was not uh-huh. some spring chicken, you know? It's not your first day. Right. Like, I'm I'm not new. <laughs> and Because you got a shirt with a coffee cup on it that says regular. That says regular. Mm-hmm. You figure and it out. So I pulled that T-shirt out when I needed to, when I needed to, you know, come correct when I needed to enter a scene. I totally had those shirts. So I, that's why, if you look at photos of the birth of my daughter around that that morning, I'm wearing my favorite shirt at the time, my silkworm shirt, because I oh. knew I had to bring my A game. Yeah, I was wearing a shirt when my daughter was born that I that at the time was just like whatever shirt I had on, and now <clears throat> the shirt has tremendous significance to me. But it's like not one of my favorite shirts. I don't mm-hmm. hate it. It's a fine shirt. Yeah. But it would have been a shirt that got purged at somewhere along the line if it hadn't been imbued with all this hyper significance. Yeah. Now it just sits on a hanger and I look at it and I go, well, I can't wear that shirt, but I also can't give it away. No, I, you know what? I think you get a pass on that one. Yeah. I did Thanks. get rid of that silkworm shirt, though. <gasps> really? I know. I know. But see, this was. When you get to that point, and so like now I'm really trying to, I'm not a minimalist, I'm not Dan Benjamin, but I try really hard to like keep things kind of organized. Like these are the white t-shirts, and I, and I cull those. I will go through and I will cull the white t-shirts. If I see pit stains, it's got to go, right? <clears throat> I've got the, uh, like the podcast shirts, the Squarespace shirts. So I've got like four Squarespace shirts. Those are great like go-to daily shirts. I have four Fantastic Four shirts. Those are all deployed in their own little special containers. And then I got the long sleeve t-shirts. These are the critical part of my wardrobe. Oh, long sleeve tees are oh, very tricky to pull off, Merlin. You know, Mack Weldon, they make, they make a really good... It's oh, costly, nice. but they make a very good... See, for me, it's not about the underpants with Mack Weldon. They're not a sponsor of this episode. They should be. I see. I see. But, but uh, no, I, those are, they, they, I was really pleasantly surprised by their clothes. I'm wearing one of their uh, French Terry hoodies as we speak. Oh, French Terry hoodie. French Terry hoodie. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because it used to be back in the seventies uh, and eighties that the that the ladies got all of the like thin, soft, really appealing little mm-hmm. hoodies, and uh, the boys had all these super thick, chunky hoodies. Chunky hoodies. That's how and I feel that- when I wear my extra large Roderick on the line hoodie. It's very. It's 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 like wearing a blanket. Yeah, it's a it's a big blanket hoodie, and that was all the hoodies that I ever had. Mm-hmm. But then when I started spending a lot of time in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I started thrifting in San Francisco, and let me let me just say that I know that sounds like it wouldn't be that good, and it often isn't. But mm-hmm. every once in a while, you do stumble on a thing. I came into possession of a couple of extra large sized, but 
thin, soft, you know, like like gamoline mm. little uh, hoodies that were just like just like t-shirts basically except they were hoodies and i started wearing them around and then all of my lady friends would see them from across the room and be like where did you get that hoodie i'd say oh you know i found it but why and they're like we can't find hoodies like that anymore for ladies hmm. now the now the guys have all the soft hoodies and uh, and the lady hoodies are i don't know some they're like into some it's not a thing or or something i don't know what it is huh. But I am—I have been the envy of several of my lady friends because of my collection now of very soft, small hoodies. Not small, but like thin. You know, like. No, I know what you mean. Like, a, like a light, a lightweight, non-bulky, lightweight non-bulky material. A hoodie that you could wear under something. Oh no, that's that's a tough call. Ooh, you know what I mean? Oh, like, I, I, uh, I do know. Yes. Yes. It's almost like it's like an advanced T-shirt material. Yeah, a hoodie that you put on under a jacket, like under now a Now I know. That could be like an OP shirt kind of right, thing. Right, right. I think OP that's, made shirts like that. They're kind of like you, a long sleeve t-shirt with a hood. Well, okay, so now, okay, so I can't go there because that's two Dr. Zog sex wax, you know? <laughs> but if... Never on spoon, big, a long sleeve t-shirt uh-huh. is a really tricky game because I have several. And the long sleeve T-shirts that I uh, that I get away with are one of them is from Portland's um, like uh, Japanese Garden. Mm-hmm. One of them is a not a surf long sleeve T-shirt, oh, which wow. I never would have thought worked, but it did. Hmm. One of them is from the uh, U.S. Arctic National uh, Research Council. One of them is from uh, like Homer, Alaska. And there's just a there's just a few of them that I can that 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 pass because the danger of a long sleeve t-shirt is it's one it's like two inches of fabric away from a mock turtle. You're right. You're right. And sometimes you get a crew that's a little tight. If you're a little tight in the crew, it gets it gets into like uh, you look like the rock. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. You do look like the rock. <laughs> and it's really tricky, you know. You can't just say because there was a there was a time uh, one of my very first encounters with the I have solved the clothing problem was in 1987. My friend Bob Wood came back to the dorms, and Bob said, "You guys, Eddie Bauer in downtown Spokane is having a big sale, and they have these shirts." And he held one up, and it was a long sleeve. But it was made out of like uh, this like miracle fabric. Uh, it was 100% cotton, right? But it was at the time all we wanted was clothes that were really beefy. Beefy was our our watchword. Mm-hmm. Is that beefy? Yes, right. it's beefy. Right. All right, test the beef test. It's beefy. And this was a thing where it was like this shirt was very beefy. And he said they're having a sale on these. They're like. each, and they have them in every conceivable color. And so, I mean, we're in college. This isn't, it's not a group of guys that you're typically going to think like, let's go to the mall. Mm -hmm. But we all jumped on our mountain bikes and we rode to Eddie Bauer. They were having a massive sale. And this was Eddie Bauer before they became became terrible. This was Eddie Bauer back when there were still canoes in the store. And 
there on the sail rack, there it was an entire wall. I remember it like it's yesterday. An entire wall, two whole racks, top and bottom. And there were two kinds of shirts. There were mock turtlenecks, and there were regular crew necks, all made out of the same beef and material, and sh- seriously, in every color. Wow. White, cream, pink, orange, green, blue, you know, uh, like plum. like And they were all 80s colors. And we all, like, our minds were blown, and we all felt like, for like... I think they were even cheaper than $9. They were so cheap. We just felt like for a $50 investment, I will never have to think about clothes again. Mm-hmm. You know, we had that libertarian moment of just that's like, the dream. Salt, I mean, it is, there's, there's points where that's very, very appealing. And I bought eight shirts mm. and I got mock turtles mixed in. I got like <sighs> three mock turtles and five crew necks because at the time mock turtles seemed like they also solved a problem it was like a turtleneck but without all the extra you're talking talking the 90s this is 87 because i remember in the early 90s in the barn jacket era uh there was a little bit of a vogue for a slight uh mock turtleneck on a fella well i mean if you think about the early if you if you look at the opening sequence of friends not to talk about friends two times in a row but mm-hmm. i think joey is wearing mock turtlenecks a lot of the time joey really liked a mock turtle hmm. when i first moved to seattle there was a punk band called mock turtle but they spelt it m-a-c-h mock turtle as in make turtle as in well like mock uh, shall, or, mock shall. or like uh mock one mock two oh mock i get it that's good Okay, that's and their good. logo was a turtle with a, like a jet engine coming out of its butt or something. They were a punk band. Sure. But I did have these uh, mock turtles and wore them until about 91 when it, when it obviously then had become it – no, it no longer felt like an adventure sports solution to a problem. It felt like the beginning of a whole new problem. The, it was a Joey problem now. <laughs> and so uh, I had my mom – Take the mock turtle part off. You're and just kidding. You're so, kidding me. No, just so regular collar. Uh, just take the turtle part off. That's so and weird. Merlin, <laughs> I swear to you, I still have three of those eight shirts. <laughs> okay. And they are shredded. They are shredded. But it's I hard can't... to let go when you find when you finally find something that's that's what you really want. It's so hard to let go. We, we wore those shirts with such pride. We had solved every problem. Mm. We had the shirt. You just can't get those days back. I, no. I have those kinds of uh, like internal moral panics when I like I finally find a pair of like uh, like shoes that I like. I remember this. This was a huge deal in the eighties when like if you found a pair of shoes that you would like and it was a name brand shoe, there's a pretty good chance that within the next like the next year it would be really different or even gone. Yeah. Nike made this kind of shoe when I was in. It was my first. First, probably, or maybe second pair of Nikes, the Nike Dynasty. Do you remember Ooh. that? No, tell me more. In the early 80s? Let me see if I can find it for you. The Dynasty. So this is the Red Swoop era. This no, is the white before leather. that. This is before that. Really? And these were so dope. Can't on this see now? Of course. They all look like all those other shoes now. Like, they have all those ne- neon, like, thin. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Can I text this to you? Sure. Oh my I'm, gosh! Shit, don't make me dog. look it up myself. Oh, I'm man. waiting. I'm standing here with a catcher's mitt, waiting for this text. Come on, there it is. 
clicking on it. Oh, what a shoe. And look at the, what wait, a wait, shoe. Wait, you see the Oxfords. Wait, you see the Oxfords. I had two pairs of these. Oh, I love that. I love that fabric. That I know, the that, mesh. Mesh. Oh, these are terrific. I was going to use a picture of the rock for show art this week. Totally putting in the dynasties. Oh, man. Show me the Oxfords. Yeah, should come in a second. Look at that. Uh, oh, that what? orange swoosh on the tongue. I'm having a I'm having a strange flashback. Yeah, what? Well, I'd never had these because these would have been way, way, way too cool. They were like my 40 mom, bucks. Yeah, my mom would not have sprung for these, but I am having a flashback of envying these. So these look like Stan Smith's. Mm-hmm. They got these. They got these um, pretty relatively fat laces. They're like uh, a, a mesh with suede around the toe and the heel, blue on the inside, and a blue swoosh. Merlin, and I would wear we, these every day today if they made these. How do we get these? I don't know. You probably got to go on eBay. No, but I don't want some old ones. I, like how how do we get a how do we get them remade? Now is this what a good are, use of Kickstarter? Could we just say start giving us money so that Nike will make these? Is that how that works? I think so. I think, I mean, that's, I think that's how it works. We're, we're powerful people in the world. We could yes. get Nike to, to uh, start remaking a shoe if we just did a kickstart. I have no reason to think that it wouldn't work. But those are pretty sharp, especially when they're new. They're not usually quite this beat up, but they're not totally white exactly. Yeah. Oh, I God. love that that combination of like mesh and suede. Yeah, within the, the rubber on the uh, bottom. It's a great look. That's a great thing. This, uh, a- this episode's been a lot about feet. Well, you know, my feet have held up really well. Considering. Considering all the work that I've put in, you know, put on them. Right? I mean, walking across feet, Europe, for example. Yeah. Oh, and just like I'm a walker, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm heavy, hmm. and my feet have just never let me down. Hmm. They're, um, you know, I have to do a certain amount of maintenance on them. One of the toes curves under. Uh but I, I can't imagine like having problems with your feet. It would be so. It would be so. It's the much. base of the column. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're if, like knees, feet are the uh, knees are the other one, but feet for sure. Like oh man, you don't want to mess those up. So my knees are are terrible. They're absolutely ruined because all the ball you played. Uh, you know, uh, well the skiing didn't help, but also <laughs> I think I think it's one of those things where you're you, there's certain parts of your body that are just that are just weak from the start. And I always felt it was my knees and my lungs Ugh. were the two things in my body that just from the beginning I could tell were like, eh, they're just not up to capacity. So the, all the, the, all the damage has been borne by my knees, but my feet are solid. Mm. Thank you. Lucky uh, stars. Am I right? I do. I do. I think about somebody that had pain in their feet and I just have tremendous sympathy because Foot pain is no good. Like knee, knee, fucked up knees just means that now I'm starting to walk like my dad. When I go up and down the stairs, it starts to be like a, it starts to be a thing. It's like, yeah, just I'm going upstairs. Okay, here I go. Is there a cracking noise? Crack, crack. Yeah, there's, I mean, I'm starting to walk like the penguin from the, you know, from Burgess Meredith Penguin. Uh, because my knees, yeah, and, and and one day I'm sure that I'll have there'll be some technology where I have knee replacement surgery. But you're never the same. Probably not in your lifetime, but yeah, someday you're never the same. No. And so yeah, I'm starting to just like uh, I 
Because the thing was, I have one bad knee, so I favored the other one for so long that now I've ruined it, too. You, you know, you don't get that many shots with these things. You know, once right. it's depleted, like sometimes when my daughter and I are wrestling, she'll grab my thumb, and I'm worried she's going to break my thumb. And I'm like, hey, I got two of those if I'm lucky for the rest of my life. I yeah, don't want to be yeah. down to one thumb. Do not break my thumb. No, don't break my thumb. But That's I admire, right. I admire the move. Yeah, but I say that all the time. Please don't break my thumb. Please don't break my thumb. Don't touch my feet. Don't touch my well, feet in the morning. I, 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 I start to... I mean, I'm not a... It turns out, this is a weird thing that I've just recently uh, realized, hmm. is that it turns out that I'm actually pretty optimistic. Oh, you're, you're finding all kinds of things, aren't you? Yeah, I I would never have thought of myself as an optimist because it didn't it didn't go along with like being cynical, which I also was. But it turns out they're completely different. And when I wake up in the morning, I just assume everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And uh, and that optimism also means that I have never gone through that aspect of aging where you're like, what's going to break next? You know, I'm not worried about cancer. I don't sit around and, you know, and I, I, I don't I don't scheme in such a way that I'm like, I think I, I think my liver is going wrong. You, you know, don't, like you don't I, feel that like hypervigilance about like I better watch out and like start, you know, because if I can guess what it is, it'll be easier to deal with. You know, you're no, not consumed by that. I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I am at the I am at that point in life where I do realize that something's going to kill me. Right. <laughs> I mean. Theoretically, it's going to be something. You could be the first one, you know. I don't think so. It's going to be Peter, I, Peter Thiel. I think the first person that, yeah, it's going to be Peter Thiel because he's going to keep using like virgin blood mm-hmm. till they run out of virgins. Till they run out, right? Yeah. But no, I'm not going to live forever. Something's going to get me. Now, what is it? Yeah, I know. You know, is it going to be enemy fire? Probably not. <laughs> so something, right? And uh, and so just even that idea, then you start doing those assessments we walk out of the door and you're like everything seems to be working fine but that's what they all say oh yeah everything's fine until it's not right you can really drive yourself crazy with that stuff though yeah i don't want to go crazy that's Mm-mm. another way to go ah uh, see that's how they get you yeah i don't want to drive myself crazy thinking about it mm-hmm. how, how dumb would that be what did he die of being crazy about worrying about what he was going to die of that's nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> right down the corner's report. That's nuts. <laughs> this is a very, very rare case. So he's a man who worried himself to death. But, but I, <laughs> it's very you know, concerning. I, somebody asked me the other day, like, uh, oh, "Did your finger ever heal?" And I'm like, "I mean, it healed as good as it's gonna." Is that what you're asking? I mean, it stopped getting worse. Yeah, mostly. I, mean, I can grab things. Yeah, uh, it's not. I. It's not like missing. Yeah, but. But it also, I mean, you know, do you want to hear it crack? Mm. <laughs> do you want to see the ways in which it's not fine and mm-hmm. never will be again? Mm. So, uh, so yeah, I just I'm wondering more and more, even in spite of the optimism, that uh, you know, at some point I'm going to have to at least get a gym membership. <laughs> okay, now John's got a gym membership. Yeah. You know, uh, wh- what are you going to wear, and what's your workout going to be like? Would you have it? Would you have it organized for you by a professional, or would it be an ad hoc workout of your own design? I think, in general, uh, over time, I have seen that if I do work with somebody, it's only for one time, and they design an exercise 
routine for me, mm-hmm. but I've had that enough times now that I feel like I know how to go in and work the legs one day and the arms the next day. Um, so and you'd I be know doing what, machines. Well, no, I mean, I know what all the, I know how to do the exercises with free weights, but well, I you'd don't. Be, you'd be actually lifting the actual dinglings yourself. I generally, what I do is like the complicated exercises, like the butterfly and stuff like that, that probably are much more effective if you use free weights because they're the ones that are really challenging to keep your, you know, your, all your systems in place. Yeah. I find those are much easier to just do on the machine and, and not risk injury, but like your normal sort of up and down weightlifting, you just do it with free weights. It's, you know, you don't need to sit and do the, do the, uh, bicep bar bicep machine that seems a little silly i don't know i think those things are pretty cool i like machines i use them you Mm -hmm. know i I, i'm not i don't i'm not uh i'm not proud but my workout outfit i think is usually red sweatpants with a white rope a white tie Mm -hmm. and a band t-shirt of some kind that's a good that's a good look yeah, some sort of band T-shirt or, or you know, I've got a T-shirt from the racing form. I've got a T-shirt from Languedoc, Oregon, you know, this type I, of thing. Will you be listening to music or will you be watching no. CNN? No, neither. Mm-hmm. You don't do either of those in regular life. No, I would prefer if gyms were quiet. Shh. I, would, I, would, I wish they were quiet and I wish that, that everyone else wished that they were quiet. The idea of sitting on an exercise bike and watching the news... <sighs> I just cannot fathom how you could do it. I just don't understand it. Why would you? It's like I used to date a girl who uh, we would go on long walks together at night, and we would come to the bottom of a very steep hill, of which Seattle has dozens and dozens, and she would light a cigarette. And I would say, we're at the bottom of the hill, sweetheart. Don't you want to save the cigarette for the top of the hill when we've when we've achieved our goal? Mm-hmm. And her attitude was like, don't tell me what to do. And so we would walk up this steep hill where we're both like huffing and puffing and she's smoking the entire time. Now we would get to the top and I would have a cigarette, a valedictory cigarette. Sure. But she wanted to smoke all the way up. I remember one time we were out in the middle of the night and we saw two kids in hoodies dart across the street with hoods up, dart across the street between one set of parked cars to another set of parked cars and like... And, and duck up an alley, middle of the night. And I said, let's go. Let, let's, let's chase those guys. Let's find out what's going on. Let's chase them. And she said, she was always up for adventure. And she mm-hmm. was like, okay, let's go. Hang on. And she lit a cigarette. You're, she gave chase while smoking? And I was like, we're in, we're in hot pursuit. And she he's, lit He's fleeing the interview. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the kind of hot pursuit is that? First of all, the Viet Cong's going to smell your cigarettes. Oh. Second of all, then they're going to see the cherry, right? That's how the snipers get you. Yeah, yeah, it's bad opsec. Yeah, you know that's why you don't do three on a match. That's right. Yeah. Another thing, what? another thing that it would seem so easy to just work that out with somebody. Smoke, smoke after we when we're celebrating our victory. You don't smoke on a chase. Has anybody ever? Have you, I've never known anybody to smoke on a chase before. I don't see how you can. I mean, it's just so uh, so against the rules of a chase. Yeah, and particularly a chase like that, where it's like we don't know we don't know who these people are, or why we're chasing them. 
So you got to be ready for every eventuality. What if they run into a non-smoking facility? What if they hide you in just, a propane facility? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. E- either way, you're probably going to either you're going to lose half a cigarette or you're going to endanger our lives. But like in those moments, I don't know. It just seems crazy to me that that's when you would that's when you would light up and. And I guess that's why we're not together now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the water always finds its own level. I was explaining that to some kindergartners the other day. How'd it go? Well, like explaining things to kindergartners, I was like, listen, all the water. And then I had like six of them standing around me. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to know what a drain. They, they pointed at the drain pipe on the side of the building and they were like, what's that? And I said, oh, well, it's the drain pipe. It takes the water off the roof, and it goes down this way. And it was one of those drain pipes that had a bend, and then it went down, and then around a corner, and then down. And I said, you know, let's follow the drain pipe. So all these this little gaggle of kindergartners, and I followed it down into the hole. And they were really interested in it. And I said, well, here's the thing. All water wants to get back to the ocean. Mm. So every time you see water coming down, it's going to try and get back to the ocean. And they were like, you know, all their eyes narrowed as they thought about that. And then in the kindergartner fashion, they each had an example of water that did not get back to the ocean. Well, what about over here on the playground? There's a big puddle when it rains. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, the water is trying to get to the ocean. It just can't. The the water is not magic, Brent. Right. Well, and then the... One kid was like, the water goes down into the dirt. And I said, yes, down into the dirt, into underground streams that take it to mm-hmm. the ocean. You say, you say, it can, Aiden. <laughs> One of the kids' names was Aiden. We have three Aidens in my daughter's oh class. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Aiden. Aiden. Stop arguing, Aiden. The water tries to get to the ocean. Some things you just accept on face value when an adult says them. What's happening? What is you happening know? these days? <laughs> you, you, did you ever did you ever think to argue about a puddle with somebody before? You ever think, no! you ever think it was okay to argue with, with, with a grown man about a puddle and tell him how puddles Absol- work? Absolutely not. I would have said, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. May I have another, sir? Because they eat too many avocados. Young people do have more too many avocados. We so we took we took our kid <laughs> last night to dinner and she hates Indian food because one time I ordered Indian food and it was too spicy and it and it spiced her out. We went to this Indian restaurant, and I said to the man, "Listen, everything's got to be just as bland as bland can be because we're—it's just—it needs to be baby food, because I want my daughter to like Indian food." And I always I, use the magic incantation after I've ex- explicitly described when you bring this cheeseburger, the cheeseburger needs to be <laughs> a burger. What I want, what I want is a burger yeah. on a bun with American cheese and literally nothing else. And they say no vegetables, and I say literally nothing else. What about ketchup and mustard? It's so important that you not put ketchup and mustard. And then I say, I look at them, I look them in the eyes, and I say, it's for a kid. Right. And I think that's that's how you put the put the dot on the eye. It's like that's no, right. no, like it's it's like saying like you know, uh, uh, deathly allergic, uh, anaphylactic shock, ah, danger, danger. Right. It's for a kid. And so you tell them, make help me. Help you! I need your help. You help me help this kid learn to love the the, the cuisine of your continent. Yeah, 
And this was lucky because the owner of the restaurant, this is a busy restaurant, the owner saw us come in and was immediately enamored with the child. And so came over to the table and talked to her first. You know, hello, princess, how are you? That's you know, nice. Let me know if, if you need anything. And she was charmed by him. So that when I said, look, we need to, we need to have things be really like prepared in a way that is against their nature here uh, in order to, to satisfy this child. He was uh, like, that's a good point. Up. You're asking for some kind of a gastronomical chimera, like something that probably yep. shouldn't exist. Yeah. This is not a thing that you would ever do on your own. This is just a thing that we're going to do to, to gradually introduce our daughter to, to this idea. It was really curious because I'd always been a little bit, not suspicious, but I'd always had one eye open in this restaurant because I was like, I've been to a lot of Indian restaurants. Something about this place is different. And I don't know what. Hmm. And I, for a long time, I thought, is this a Pakistani restaurant? Hmm. Is this some situation where they were pre-partition they were like making food in in you know the the raj and then they're actually pakistani or they're actually muslims but they make indian food is that the game here hmm. you're saying it's and, potentially non indian oh oh the restaurant is called Non and Curry. Non N apostrophe Curry. Non and Curry. Oh, I got a lot. I got a lot of problems with that. It's a terrible, terrible name, but it's always full of people, and I'm I'm generally the only gringo in there. Right, everyone else is from the subcontinent somewhere. Hmm. And so last night I'm sitting in the restaurant. I'm looking around, and there are hijabs all over. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this is not. <gasps> and that, an that would read Indian. as more Pakistani. It would definitely read as, you know, like... That's more as a more Muslim country as against the... Yeah. Something's going on here. Okay. I mean, it's not... I mean, the, I think within within the, uh, within the that realm, there are a lot of hard feelings between Hindus and Muslims, but also there's a lot of people that are just going along to getting along, right? Everybody's... In general, there are a lot of people there, so there have got to be people of all stripes. Sure. And everybody likes along. good food. Everybody likes good food. But... It was conspicuous given the fact that I already had some, just some, I don't know, mm, yeah. just little tingle of like, what's going on Ting here? Tingly hunches. So the man came over. He was being very solicitous and, and great with, uh, we had some mango lassies. Um, everyone was happy. And I said, sir, where, what is your origin story? Are you, uh, where are you from? Let's, let's just call it that. <laughs> this is going well so far. <laughs> and he got a big smile on his face and he said, Bangladesh. Born mm. and raised. And I said, Bangladesh? You're talking about East Pakistan. And he was very excited. And he was like, yes, East Pakistan. Whoa. And so this is the crazy story of Bangladesh, right? It's on the other side of India from Pakistan. But when... Uh, when the, the schism happened, when the separation between India and Pakistan happened, right. East Pakistan, completely on the other side, went along with Pakistan because they were majority Muslim. 
And then uh, along the way somewhere, they were like, listen, we're not Pakistan, we're Bangladesh. And they changed. And now it's now it's the nation of Bangladesh. But serving really delicious Indian food. And it just was like, it was an, another door in my head opened up to a room that I now need to fill with stuff. Mm. Because I don't know anything about Bangladesh. Well, it except, sounds like you could find out now. Well, except a little bit of stuff. But yeah. Yeah, so now I've got a friend. Now I've got a Bangladeshi friend who owns a restaurant who uh now I'm going to go there all the time and little by little I'm going to I'm going to ask more and more questions until I learn until I learn. Hmm. I guess that's how learning that's how learning works at least yes. in these parts. <clears throat> yeah, or until you ask the wrong question, you cross the wrong guy. I feel like this man if I asked the wrong question, he would very patiently and in a very friendly way say, ah, you have asked the wrong question. <sighs> I, I love that in a restaurateur. I do not get yeah. that as often as I would like. Somebody who really heard what I said, they, were, they, weren't, they weren't just listening. They weren't just hearing. They were listening. They, they, yeah. they heard through, right? And they, they knew the answer. Yes. Yes. And this, this man, is he, com- he comports as a wise person. So he knows that if I am asking a question that is the wrong question, it is not that I am, that, that I have ill intent, but simply that I do not know the right question to ask. You know, you should see if that guy could be your doctor. Because I feel like that's something I would love in a doctor. You should find out if he, he does medicine, too. Because that, wouldn't that be nice to have a doctor where you could go and they'd say, oh, you are, that's a very good question, but you asked the wrong question, my friend. Somebody who's very, very helpful and regional. Yes. Wouldn't that he be nice? Does, he does give off the air of a doctor. You, should, you, you know, maybe that put that on your list. Maybe next time you're in there. Were you a doctor? So this place is called Non and Curry. It's in Renton, Washington. It okay. is not very interesting looking from the outside. Uh, and when you go in there, you are going to have some kind of authentic Bangladeshi experience. But the man definitely feels like a doctor. And now I want to go, now I want to go ask him about some of the things that are like, what's going to kill me, doctor? Yeah. Is it going to be my knees? Is it going to be my knees or my finger or what? Is it wholesome to feel the way I feel about my feet? Yeah, right. Is that a problem? You don't want to go nuts. You shouldn't do them all at once. You don't want to overwhelm him. He's got to run a fucking business. But it would be nice to get some insight from somebody who's actually really listening. I do feel like, you know, and he's enough older than me that I feel like if I sat down at a table with him and said, this thing about touching my feet in the night, is this going to keep me from love? (laughs) Is this going to, like, keep me outside (laughs) of people? You asked the wrong question, my friend. And he's going to be like, right. (laughs) That is a good question, but it is the wrong question. And you guys go out and play catch. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh. 